All right, here we go. Get up out of the chair. Button up your pants. That was me on Thursday night. <laughs> and it was me yesterday. It just seems like I can continue. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, and I am your host, Brian Pointer. We are here this post-Thanksgiving holiday. A lot of families together, which I love. Ours was in the same way that I hope yours were and a very successful holiday season at the same time it can be uh, one of those things where I know a lot of folks dealing with illness and that's never a good time this time of the year so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it all up with good thoughts to your families uh, this weekend and into this coming holiday season because it's going to go very quickly but it is the last weekend of the deer firearm season and i have heard great things from across the state uh, people seeing deer people putting deer in their freezer and i couldn't be more pleased with that so i can't wait to see what these numbers bear out at the end of the actual official season we're going to visit with deb treesh later in the show to find out how you can donate to hoosiers feeding the hungry uh, always one of my favorite organizations and deb just one of the greatest evangelists for doing good in your community some close to 90 processors volunteer to process free of charge to you it's paid for through the Sportsman's Benevolence Fund. And then that protein, all-important venison, stays in local communities. It's that time of the year. A lot of the organization's final year-end appeals. We do this throughout the year with catching up with our friends at the Natural Resources Foundation. But uh, we're going to give them an opportunity to kind of plug what they've been up to and why, if you have the opportunity to strike a charitable pen, the Natural Resources Foundation, always a good one. You're not going to want to miss coming up because uh, – Brian Lynn is with the Sportsman's Alliance over in Ohio, and he has got some stuff that is going to curl your toes on what's happening over on the left coast. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer, come back with us, Sportsman's Alliance, right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show, still in a tryptophan coma. As what a wonderful week to celebrate Thanksgiving, so much to be grateful for. Hopefully you had some great traditions that came together this holiday season. I, your host, Brian Pointer, we certainly did. And we couldn't do this show without our friends at Indiana Donor Network, driven to SaveLives.org. This is the last weekend. So many great things happen after Thanksgiving. Uh, forget Black Friday and all that mumbo-jumbo. But we've got the Get Outdoors campaign that uh, the first, uh, the opportunities to get out uh, the day after was a good deal yesterday. All in good stuff as a lot of folks still out hunting. Final weekend of deer season here in the state of Indiana. As mentioned, you know, it's such a good time to be joyful and grateful, and I am grateful for all the great organizations like the Sportsman's, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, joining me now is Brian Lynn, and Brian is uh, Vice President of Communications at the Sportsman's Alliance, and I'm very grateful for the work that you guys do, not just this time of the year, but 365 days of the year, keeping an eye on some really uh, important things across the country. So, Brian, it's great to have you be a part of Indiana Outdoors. How was your Thanksgiving? 
Oh, it's great uh, family time and everything else. So it's uh, always good to have a day or two down and also to get out and uh, and chase some birds around after our seasons uh, have closed for big game. Well, does that mean waterfowl? Uh, some upland bird mostly. Got it. Uh, I'll probably try to squeeze in some waterfowl, but uh, mostly some upland bird chasing those guys around now that elk and deer have pretty much ended. Well, I was going to ask you if you were able to get out. Did you put any meat in the freezer? Sure did. My son did anyways. We got him on a cow elk, and so he got his first elk this year. And uh, after that, uh, I got nothing. I, I blanked. So uh, he's every time we eat, he uh, tells tells me he's uh, that I'm welcome for him uh, putting the meat on the table. So I got I get to hear this for months now. <laughs> I love it. Well, for those here in Indiana, knowing that you put a cow elk down to your son did, where's home base? Uh, I am in Spokane, Washington. That's right. Washington State. So work remote out of uh, the headquarters is in Ohio, but Absolutely. I work remote in Washington State. Well, that's why I wanted to make sure people understood because I know we talked to you <laughs> at the uh, Alliance over in the Columbus area and you being remote, it's all good and appreciate you being with us. You know, I have to laugh because you guys do such a great job, but I receive your newsletter and in the newsletter that came i don't know in the last couple of weeks noticed uh a pretty dramatic uh funny i don't know how to say it but i thought it was a very creative twist on some things that are going on in the land of fruits and nuts out in california why don't you set the stage for us and we can go from there Right. So, uh, you know, Gavin Newsom and the crazies out in California, you know, uh, have been just signing gun control bills left and right. And one of the bills he signed was a marketing to youth bill. You know, and they're kind of trying to piggyback on the idea that we can't market cigarettes and alcohol to youth. Well, there's a fundamental difference with firearms, and that's it's a civil right. And it's even legal for kids to use firearms even unsupervised at times, you know, when they're hunting or whatever, with permission at the, at the target range or whatever. So, you know, it's a flawed concept. It's actually a First Amendment issue that is was brought up. And so we filed suit and we led the charge on this. And so, you know, as we're sitting there and we filed suit, one of our complaints was, hey, we have subscribers in California what are we supposed to do? You know, because this thing was so vague that anything could be constructed as marketing to youth. If a firearm and a youth picture were within a certain number of pages, I mean, it was wide open and it's a $25,000 per occurrence fine. So take every firearm or ammo ad, it was even accessories. So scopes, anything, we have a loophole to vortex or whatever ad in there that could be considered attractive to youth. So it would be 25000 per times how many subscribers you have in the state. Good Lord. So, yeah, it could quickly add up, you know, and then you look at TV and everything else. So we sued on that, and, uh, you know, one of the legal standings was we have to change our magazine. Well, that issue that you just received was supposed to be the R3 youth issue. I'm oh, good Lord. Yeah, I was going to cover our conservation science high school curriculum and all the school it's in, it's in this year and how well it's being received by students doing hands-on lab and learning about the North American model. And I was like, hey, guys, can I do this? They're like, no. Like, this was our complaint. You can't publish this now. And I'm like, okay. 
So had to rewrite the feature well and kind of change that and then started thinking about it. And I'm like, well, you know, the first rule of good writing is don't tell show. So we talked to the lawyers and uh, we decided to turn the entire issue into a theme of what life looks like under this law. If it's taken to the letter of the law, this is what it would look like. You know, no mention of youth, youth blacked out, whatever, you know, and uh, California compliant ads. You know, we removed the all firearm and ammo ads and put warning labels and said this. And this is what life would look like. I mean, you're talking 1984, uh, you know, censorship stuff here. And that's really what it is, is a censorship First Amendment issue. It is indeed. And we're visiting with our friends at the Sportsman's Alliance. And uh, Brian is the director of communications. What I was particularly struck with, it didn't take long because you kind of set the tone. It's black and white. It's stark. It looked different. I love your your materials that you produce. And very quickly, I was looking through this. I'm like, what in the world? Well, you set it up at the beginning. And then I love the redacted stories, you know, (laughs) (laughs) where there's just these big sections all blacked out. And it does make a striking uh, statement. And I think that's important. So how do these things... I'm going to kind of go back here for a second because you guys track legislation and bills, whether it's dogs or it's wolves or it's bears or it's anything of the day in these states that here in Indiana we may not pay attention to or ever know, but eventually it's going to something like this could happen. So in California, we know that there, I I don't even have an adjective to describe how stupid. I feel they are in certain instances. How does this end up a law in the state of California with such Uh, broad interpretations? And where do you think it's going to go? Yeah, well, uh, we're going to we're taking it to court. That's where it's going. And uh, we're confident in our stance. I mean, it's pretty slam dunk. Uh, But uh, you never know. Even with uh, judges, you never know. But uh, it's a very strong case. But this all happens, you know, it's a whole social change that we've seen that's been going on for decades now. But especially, you know, on the coasts, you have supermajority parties that are controlling and they are not friendly towards firearms. You have a governor who not only is not friendly towards firearms, he's looking at the White House. So he's making his bid to run for the White House. So he's just passing legislation left and right that appeal to his far left base and then he can cite this and and run on this platform you know we we've often rested and i say we the collective those who i think have common sense that oh they're never going to affect hunting or your ability to as you said buy scopes do anything they're interested in the bigger picture well this is a slap in the face of exactly what will happen when you think that you're okay and it'll never come down to the hunting stuff but in my opinion this is a classic example of be careful because it it is far-reaching and dangerous is exactly what they've done and it puts you guys at risk and everybody else and it was so broadly written that it impacted hunter education how do you advertise hunter education good point without advertising and saying you're promoting the use of the firearm. And that's what it said. Anything that promoted the use of a firearm was considered advertising. And if you're aiming that at children, you know, or youth at all, 
under 17 or under 18, you're, ma- you're marketing to youth. So that was a direct correlation to any youth hunts, hunter education, scholastic shoots, 4-H, whatever. You know, that would have stopped it. Now, they put in a an amendment afterwards, but it really is just creates more of a bird's nest of words and legal arguments, and it didn't solve the underlying issue. So we're moving forward with our case, and we're going to take it take California to court. Well, good for you. We're visiting with our friends at the Sportsman's Alliance, and it's great to have you be a part of this, Brian. So we've talked for years, and you cover coast to coast. This just happens to be on the left coast this time, but so many other issues that I follow on social media coming from you guys. What are some of the other things that are on your on your plate, pardon the pun, this Thanksgiving time of the year? Uh, well, big one, uh, you know, is another lawsuit that we're involved in, and that's uh, uh, it, the lead ban on wildlife refuges and fighting that. Uh, you know, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife under the Biden administration has sat down with uh, Center for Biological Diversity and basically said, yeah, going forward, we're going to start banning the use of lead ammunition or lures or any fishing equipment on wildlife refuges and we said this is just the first step it's going to expand across the ref all of the refuge system and then you'll see it in other federal lands and pretty soon you'll see pressure on the states to do follow suit and we've just this week you know there was a petition filed by this uh, group called public employees for environmental responsibility has filed suit or filed a petition to ban the use of lead on national park and preserve land. So fishing in national parks, hunting in some of the ones in Alaska or other preserves that uh, are part managed by the national park system in other states um, where hunting takes place, it would be the lead ammo. And so we're seeing exactly what we predicted we'd see, and that impacts everybody as you go to national parks and wildlife refuges and all, all states that impacts everybody and the supply chain and the costs and prohibitive costs, you know, of getting alternative metals for fishing and hunting. Unbelievable. I, I just, you know, the reason I love having you guys on and the reason I support you personally is because of the great work that you do. As I said, here in the middle of the country, we just kind of do our thing and hopefully call our, pride ourselves on having common sense. But then there's these other fringe issues that you guys bring to the light of day uh, as a member organization. I am so thankful for the fact that you do, because otherwise you wouldn't know about this stuff going on in California and the broad perspective of what it could mean. The lead issue on federal lands they could easily expand that. So it's kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts that you guys keep track of. Um, in the short time that we do have left, anything else that you're kind of watching out there? Oh, there, there's a lot. But, uh, you know, just uh, game commissions have become a big thing. And predator management, as we've seen over the last couple of years, predator management is a huge one. But there's this group called uh Wildlife for All out of Arizona, and they are making an active push within the Wildlife Society, within, you know, fish and game departments to change our game commissions and to change and break the entire North American model 
by protecting and then reintroducing predators, bears, lions, uh, grizzly bears, wolves, to let them manage the ungulates, which then reduces or eliminates the tags for hunters, which kills the funding, which breaks the model. Yeah, absolutely. Hunting. You and know, that's an active fight that is really starting to ramp up right now. Well, we're going to keep track of that. We're going to keep track of what you guys are up to. I encourage people to follow you on social media. More importantly, become a donor, become a member of this organization. How do people do that, Brian? You can just go to Sports Men's Alliance, M-E-N-S, sportsmensalliance.org. And we have memberships for any level you want to help with. Uh, you can make a donation to the foundation that's tax deductible. Uh, got a business, anything you want to do. Well, we, I do that and encourage you all. And I wish you and all those at the Sportsman's Alliance a wonderful holiday season. I hope you get some uh, bird meat put in the freezer. You enjoy some great times. Congratulations to your son. And we look forward to having you back here very soon. Thanks, Brian, for being a part of Indian Outdoors. Thank you very much. My pleasure. It is the Indian Outdoors, one of the great organizations personally involved with my uh, treasure that goes there and couldn't thank them enough for all the work that they do. Don't go anywhere. It's the Indian Outdoors show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. You can sign up to be that organ and tissue donor when you buy that hunting and fishing license. We're going to be back right after this. The Indian Outdoor Show. It's a beautiful time of the year, post-holiday. Getting ready for the uh, run to the end of the year and so many good times ahead. Of course, we're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives, the number two, dot org. And you can do that when you buy your hunting and fishing license. You can go there. It's free. No qualifications. Do something good, especially for those... uh, can save up to eight lives and heal up to 75 others. It was great to visit with the Sportsman's Alliance, Brian Lynn. Great uh, report. And I do sincerely, firmly believe that everybody should be a member of some advocacy group. Sportsman's Alliance, the Wildlife Federation, uh, you name it. Somebody that's out there that's fighting for our rights. And they do such a great job. Big, big problems brewing on the left wacky coast. And that's why I love talking to these guys. Speaking of great organizations, the Natural Resources Foundation here in the state of Indiana is uh, joining at this time of the year. Ethan Foster, the communications director, great to visit with you. I think your first time here on Indiana Outdoors with the Natural Resources Foundation. So welcome and thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. I'm excited to be here. My pleasure. Uh, And I don't work at Chick-fil-A. I just truly Meline, my pleasure i always enjoy talking to you guys and it's been a big year a successful year for the folks at the indiana natural resources foundation of course this is a very philanthropic time of the year we'll get to that but if there's somebody listening on stations across indiana today that may not know what the foundation does why don't you kind of give a commercial yeah of course 
So the foundation is the official nonprofit for the Indiana Department of Natural Resources. And so what we do is raise funds and then we provide funding for uh, various conservation initiatives around the state. So those can include um, land acquisition, habitat work, um, outdoor education, you know, through our Discover the Outdoors program that's in partnership with Indiana State Park. So we just strive to uh, support DNR in the best way we can and, and work with them for crucial conservation projects and, and programs. Well, we do appreciate that. And so many great initiatives. We've talked throughout the year from time to time about some of them. And I know you've, you're on a mission to plant a bunch of trees and you got a bunch of volunteers helping throughout the year. Why don't you explain a year in review? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so we did just last week um, wrapped up our tree plantings as part of the Indiana Tree Project. Um, So last week we were joined by volunteers from Cliff Bar out of Indianapolis um, down in Green Sullivan State Forest. And they planted about 3,000 trees um, and that's in partnership with the Division of Forestry. Um, So that was the fourth tree planting for Cliff Bar. So we're really thankful for that continued partnership we have with them. And of course we're thankful for the Division of Forestry, um, you know, their planning and assistance and their preparation ahead of time is is crucial to the success of of that program. But all in all, that was our fourth uh, planning for the year. And so over 11,000 trees we put in the ground um, in Indiana's forests uh, just through tree plantings with our partners. Um, so that was a highly successful year for the tree project. And, you know, it's always uh, fun to get out there with the volunteers and, and see them enjoying, you know, getting their hands dirty on our public lands. Indeed. And that is that that's a larger initiative. Uh, what is it? A million trees planted by when? Uh, yeah, the the uh, governor's initiative, I believe. See, I put you on the spot. It's early. I know you did. You can, you can yeah. just you can just swag it. I think the yeah, initiative uh, is a great one. They want to put a million trees in the ground in the next couple of years, and Natural yeah. Resources Foundation, with the help of many volunteer organizations, like you mentioned, uh, partnerships like with Cliff Bar and others, are going to help that happen. Absolutely, yeah. Through the Indiana Tree Project, you know, we're striving to to add uh, over a thousand acres of new forested land. So, you know, various partners around the state are, are really working hard to, to grow Indiana's forest and keep those, keep those forests healthy. Ethan is with us from the Natural Resources Foundation, and it is a very philanthropic time of the year. Charity is at the top of everyone's mind, or at least it should be as we enter the final year. And I know that the Natural Resources Foundation, being the 501c3 that benefits the Natural Resources Department of Natural Resources, uh, is certainly in that mix. What's your appeal? What are you asking folks, and why should people give to the Natural Resources Foundation this time of the year? Yeah, yeah, this time of the year is, is vital for us at the foundation. Um, you know, our, our year-end campaign is you know, continuing right now through November and December. And, you know, as the official nonprofit, as I highlighted, of, the, of DNR, we're really striving to, to support important conservation initiatives. Um, so, you know, DNR with you know, state forests and fish and wildlife areas and, and state parks, there's, there's a lot of, of public land that, that Hoosiers enjoy. And so as the official nonprofit, you know, we directly serve those properties and the important habitat work that that happens there. So um, near end appeal is a great time for, for donors and prospective donors to, to give to conservation and to give towards our public lands here in the state. So uh, if you're interested in, in doing so and giving to the foundation, um, you can just visit us at our website, uh, indiananrf.org, easiest way to donate to us right there. And of course you can also learn more about us there at the website. Ethan, it's great to visit with you. What'd you do before you joined the natural resources foundation? 
Yeah, I used to work in communications in um, college athletics, so at the Division three level. So, but I always had a passion for for the outdoors and conservation. So it was a good fit for me to take my communication skills over here to to the conservation side of things. Well, I know that the NRF has expanded and uh, certainly added great talent with you and others as their breadth and depth of uh, reach is getting uh, so much momentum. And we appreciate you giving us the update. And please consider going to the website. One more time, what's the website? Yeah, indiananrf.org. Ethan, great to visit with you. Happiest of holidays, and uh, hopefully you made it through Turkey Day. But thanks for being here on Indian Outdoors this weekend. Yeah, thanks so much, Brian. My pleasure. It is the Indian Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer, couldn't be more happy to be with you. Thank you to the good folks at Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. We are going to visit with Deb Treesh. We're going to find out what you can do with that deer that you might not necessarily have room in your freezer. A lot of folks in this position. We're going to visit with Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry when we return right after this. Well, happiest of holidays, I guess I can say that now, right? So the argument of Christmas after Thanksgiving is settled, even though a lot of folks went up, I felt like in July, that's okay. What a great Thanksgiving to be uh, together with folks, and that's just going to be now a blurry, mad dash to the end of the year, and still a lot of hunting opportunities This, of course, the last of the deer firearm season this weekend. And a lot of folks have family traditions after Thanksgiving with people home, maybe for the first time getting out. And it's been a wonderful season. I've had so many friends and people hit me with their texts and their experiences. First deer, biggest deer, it doesn't matter. Uh, All over social media, Indiana, I think, is going to be poised to have a very close to a record season. The weather has been fantastic for the most part, and a lot of folks enjoying the benefits of some venison. And I know that Deb Treesh, who joins me now, the executive director of Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry, hopes that you put that venison on the ground and that uh, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry can be the beneficiary of that. Deb, it's great to visit with you. Happy post-Thanksgiving and early major holiday season coming up. How have you been? Great. How about you? Well, I have been well. I've enjoyed Good. getting out in the woods a little bit. Did not put any venison on the on the ground, but that's okay. What a I don't remember an opening weekend of deer season firearm variety that had snow on the ground pretty much across the state. Do you? No. This was that was this was the amazing weekend for deer hunting. I couldn't uh you know, we were in hunting camp and there's six or eight of us that have hunted together for years and years and years, and we were reminiscing on the fact that we were in shorts on uh, Friday, kind of getting things finally set up yeah. and ready. And then we knew the weather was going to change, but I didn't expect to get the four or five inches of <laughs> snow that uh, actually stuck to the ground on opening morning. And uh, hello, if you didn't bring your uh, your shawl, <laughs> it was a it was frigid. Yeah. It was very very cold. Yeah, it was a great weekend. It was beautiful to be in the woods. It was quiet. It was just so pretty. And I know a lot of folks that weekend put some uh, 
put some well-needed and deserved venison and had some great stories to tell. But for those that may be listening across the state of Indiana today, what is Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry? What we do is we try to get the hunters to donate either a portion of their deer, like maybe one or two or three or four or five pounds, or even donate the whole deer. And if you donate the whole deer, the nice thing is we pay the processing fees and the meat goes back into your community to people who are in need, which people are really, really, really struggling right now. That is, in fact, I don't know of a more perfect storm with people in a financial pinch, the holiday season, uh, cost going up uh, across the board on the main street, main stream items like your proteins and your everyday uh pantry staples and yet we are verging we are on the verge of having another great hunting season and this whole concept which you have taken and made your vocation has truly benefited and enriched people's lives because that venison as i heard you say and you keep repeating whether it's some uh, a portion or it's the entire deer is a free processing that stays in the local community that cannot be underestimated i i am sure you would concur absolutely absolutely so so far here we are you know we've been hunting in Oct- since october in the archery season we're going to have more opportunities to hunt and this is about the time when people have deciding okay am i going to go back out i have permission i have licenses but i really don't have room in the freezer what is the process that you what, just describe how easy this is so people understand what they need to do if they want to go back out and put some put some venison down? Um, the biggest thing is to look at our website to see what butcher shops are involved. Majority of the meat processors are involved with our program. Um, I definitely would contact them ahead of time with this being the best hunting season that I've seen since I've been doing this. I would call your your butcher shop first to make sure they have room. Um, but all you have to do, you just drop it off. You say you want to donate to Hoosiers Being the Hungry. They'll take it. They'll grind it, wrap it, and you do nothing else except for wait for your call in case you become the winner of the Henry gun. <laughs> Explain that. Give away Explain that. One gun a year. So anyone who donates a deer is going to get into an automatic drawing for a Henry Golden Boy. Boy, that is outstanding. How many processors do we have now? There is 88 butchers across the state of Indiana right now that are participating with us. And all of those are on the website. So like with everything Mm -hmm. else, that information is right there in your hands. And if you know where you're going to be hunting and you think you might have that opportunity, be a little bit prepared. And that way it takes away some of the... Some of the issues when you're field dressing and say, okay, now what are we going to do? And those are all on the website. You can find out which of these uh, processors, butcher shops are, in fact, participating. And it's free. You take a properly field-dressed deer in, tell them you want it to be donated, as I heard you say. And then it stays in the local community. How much do you feel like maybe year-to-date, year-over-year, give us some statistics of what this looks like? I'm sorry, I misunderstood. No, I was going to say, based on this year, how many deer do we have? Maybe where did you do? What did you do last year? Where do you think things are going to end up? Because it's a it's a big impact. One deer can feed 200 meals. Yes, yeah. Last year we did about 775 deer were donated. 
but I'm really hoping we do a hunt. I hope we do a thousand deer this year, especially with the harvest being so strong. What have you heard? I mean, hunters, I feel anecdotally that it's going to be pretty close to a record. We talked to Joe Caudell, our state deer biologist beforehand, and he felt like the opportunity was right. The weather has contributed. Uh, Frankly, I've heard more first time deer hunters in the woods, and that's always a special thing. But I hope that we get more than a thousand deer because that means impact in these local communities. Right. I hope we get more than a thousand also because it just people are really struggling, like you said, with the prices of food and prices of gas and the prices of everything going up. People need meat and that's I mean, you can get carbs cheap. But meat is expensive. Yeah. Just look at what the uh, turkeys this year. My word. Oh, my goodness sakes. Yes. I mean, we had some avian flu. I know we're off subject here, but uh, across the board, these these proteins, even your normal stuff, your chicken, your beef has all gone up. So, Deb, it's great to visit with you one more time. Where can people get the website and the information they need? At Hoosiers. FeedingTheHungry.org. Deb Treesh, you're one of my favorites. Thank you for all the work that you do and meaningful impact in all these communities. And we hope to report back at the end of the season what a record year it was for the Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry. Yep, I hope so too. Deb, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Have a great day. Happy Thanksgiving and early Christmas. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Deb Tree, Shooters, Feeding the Hungry. Let's see if we can't surpass that thousand. We're going to be back right after this. It just goes so fast. I can't slow down time. I'm good at a lot of things. Can't do that. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you this post-Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of folks were off. And a lot of folks, maybe for the first time in the woods, field, and forest, I heard bird hunting and waterfowl trips. And I've heard a lot of folks. I've seen some absolutely spectacular deer in Indiana uh, on the ground, and I can't imagine what that record book wall is going to look like at the Boat Sport and Travel Show that we heard Kevin Renfro talk about last week. There's going to be some monsters this year, and I think the folks like Deb Treesh and the good-hearted Hoosier citizens who donate to the Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry program, uh, just find a local processor. If you're out this weekend and you want to donate some Go to just Google India or Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry, and you'll find out where that local processor is. I told you, the, the, the first segment of this show with the Sportsman's Alliance, this law in California is such a mess and has such far-reaching implications. I received their newsletter, and I'm like, what in the world is this? And I immediately got it. They took this and showed the impact of what it would be like in California if you can't have any reference to youth, et cetera, and it's pretty stark and you got a good explanation. 
from Brian Lynn. Thanks also to the Natural Resources Foundation. Do always want that front of mind for your philanthropic dollar. As mentioned, Deb Treesh, Hoosiers Feeding the Hungry. Folks, remember, turn in a poacher, 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R. I do sincerely wish you a happy Thanksgiving season and then into this holiday. We're going to be back next weekend. You can count on that. It's the Indiana Outdoor Show. Be safe. See you outside, everybody. Bye.